Hello, I'm Christian, and you're listening to Inside the Cambodia Project, an educational podcast where we discuss cutting-edge research on sustainable business in an emerging market. Last episode, I talked with Bruce Money, a cultural expert and executive director of BYU's Global Business Center. Bruce shared some really neat experiences he's had doing research abroad, including a fascinating study on influencer culture in Japan. Later, he defined each of Hofstede's cultural dimensions and explained their significance within the context of our research. It was really helpful to see how understanding and measuring different dimensions of culture, especially across Southeast Asia, can inform our approach to addressing societal behavior in Cambodia. In this episode, we'll be taking a closer look at the culture of Cambodia. More specifically, we'll address how the religious topography of Cambodia influences people on both an individual and a community level. Joining us today is an expert in both of those topics, a recently returned missionary who both worked and lived in Cambodia. Ellen Ohms is a student at Brigham Young University, currently studying theater arts education. She's from southern Utah and loves the outdoors, especially horseback riding and skiing. She also loves to sing and paint. Ellen served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Cambodia, where she experienced life there and learned to love the people as she preached the gospel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ellen. It's awesome to have you on the podcast, especially on such short notice. I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit about your time in Cambodia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I love starting every podcast with a quote, just kind of to get the juices flowing right, Mm -hmm. start thinking about things. Um, Today's quote comes from Edmund Burke. I don't know if you know who that is, but he said, religion is the basis of all civil society and the source of all good and of all comfort. So what do you think about this quote? Um, I actually really love this quote. I think it has um, significant meaning for Um, our society as a whole on the whole earth um, because um, just the way that God has created us and how our lives are run is just so interwoven with the gospel Um, and I can see that really well like here in Utah especially how religion um, is very interconnected with our culture and just how we live our lives Um, And also even in Cambodia as well, like the different religions that they practice and have just defines their life. And so I think um, it's very interwoven um, and intermixed. Yeah, that's so great. Like, could you give me an example? What's something you've seen in your life that I guess supports the idea of religion as this balm of humanity, right? This thing that unites us. Have you seen, I don't know, do you see something in Cambodia that just demonstrated that? Um, What I can think of is the um, structure of the family and how um, that was common to me in America. And then when I went to serve in Cambodia, it felt like I was relearning the whole world and had (laughs) had to figure everything out again. But something that was similar to me and I was able to connect with was the structure of the family and how that was, um, revered as very important over there and also over here as well. And so I would say like um, God specifically creating a family unit in that process really connects with um, religion and how um, 
families are raised and um, share that unity and love together. I, I definitely think that's part of it. I love that. I've definitely heard the, I've heard the quote before that family is the bedrock of society. Maybe religion is the uh, sedimentary rock or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's somewhere down there. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really cool. Thanks for humoring me with that quote there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get into your experiences in Cambodia. Could you give us a brief mm-hmm. overview maybe of your missionary work in Cambodia? Like where, how long were you gone and, and what specific mm-hmm. areas did you serve in? Yes. Oh, I'd love to answer this. So I started my mission um, at the end of 2021. Um, and I began and they put me out in the kites, the far out uh, kite province area called Batambong. Ah, yeah, yeah. Batambong. And so I had no clue about how life in Cambodia was, and I was put right into Batambong. So um, it was beautiful. It was a very hard and interesting experience, but I just loved it, getting to ride my bike and work really hard in the, in the heat and the rain. And, <laughs> And um, just meeting all the smiling people was lovely. Um, unfortunately, the mosquitoes there got to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I was quickly transferred out of Badenbong to a smaller kind of suburb of the city called Dakmao. Okay. Um, which I loved, and I love the people there too. And it was kind of like an in-between type of city slash province area with some farmers and then a lot of business owners kind of combined together. Um, and then I went to an area called Stemming Jay, which is like the heart and soul of the factories in Cambodia. Stemming Jay, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Interesting. And so like every morning I'd see just hordes of people walking to go to the factories and then walking away later in the day to head home. And so that, that was interesting change for me, just <laughs> yeah. seeing the city. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I went to Kapong Cham, which is like the middle of Cambodia. Um, and Kapong Cham, it was a lot of farming lands and more spread out. And then I went back to Dakmao again. And then I went to Phnom Penh, like directly in the middle of the city with like their independence monument and the king's palace and everything that was in my area. Right. So I, was, I feel like I got kind of a Jeez. general. A little bit of everything. Of, yeah. That's crazy. Those are some really diverse. I mean, you're, you've got country, you've mm-hmm. got Batambong, it's a huge city, yeah. and Phnom Penh. Then you had uh, Dakmao, this little mm-hmm. in-between city. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Really cool that you were able to experience life in Cambodia in so many different environments i guess mm-hmm. um and how long were you gone it was a year and a half a year and a half okay awesome that's a really long time um i'm sure that you you know met a lot of people and experienced a lot of things today we really do want to focus on just how religion affects people in cambodia and people in general but mm-hmm. um you know while you were there what did you find was the predominant religion in cambodia and, and how does that shape, I guess, the overall religious landscape of the country? Is, is there a predominant religion there? Yes, I would say Buddhism is the predominant religion. And it definitely shapes the landscape, like, within the people. Um, and also, like, the physical landscape. Because um, 
these villages are kind of built around different wats or like pagoda places, kind of their their churches or temples. Um, that's like the focal point of each of these little villages. Um, and they'll, they just put all of their money into those. Wow. And um, they're just really decked out. And they really care about the their ancestors and kind of like the traditions that go along with their ancestors. So they'll each have like a little shrine in their houses as well. And so that you can see that everywhere, every single house, um, which I was very confused with at the beginning. I thought they were like something else, like birdhouses or something. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, I need to learn about this. And it was like these really important um, different places they could give offerings to. Wow, that's that's crazy. Really cool. (laughs) I'm sure I probably would have thought that they were birdhouses as well. Um, But yeah, that. So is there a, almost like a a connection between Buddhism and this? You keep mentioning family. Is that really important in that religion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, their ancestors and things. That... Yes. So pretty much all of their holidays have to do with family members who have passed on um, and how they're interconnected with them through Buddhism. Oh, okay. And so they will... Um, give a lot of their respect and almost kind of like worship forms to those who have passed on. Um, uh, they go to the Wat, I think, two times a month to um, go and kind of like bow or worship to Buddha and also those who um, have passed away. And also at these Wats, it's like a cemetery too. So sometimes their family members are actually buried there and so they can go visit them often um and because of that they have this respect order in their society that if someone's older than you like you show them more respect which we kind of have that too as in america but like it's it's to the point of my parents told me that i like i need to marry this person i don't necessarily want to marry them but they told me to, so I'm going to listen to it. And they're more likely to still respect that and follow that because their parents have, like, this, like, higher authority. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So so religion sounds like it affects everything. I mean, even mm-hmm. this, um, I guess, hierarchy, this implicit mm-hmm. hierarchy in society yeah. with <laughs> with how, how old you are determines how much authority you have. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, definitely not... I don't think that's unique to Cambodia, but I think that is super foreign for us here in the United States, right? Where, I mean, disrespecting your parents is just a, a part of life, especially when you're a teenager, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> or a college student. But but I, I think that's a good thing, right? And that's, that's really cool to see how that still plays such a big role in their communities. Um, I know you served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ, so you were preaching... Christianity and mm-hmm. and that gospel. Can you describe maybe the coexistence or how did how did Christianity and and Buddhism I guess interact um, in different religious communities? You know, in those different areas you served in was was it like a a good relationship? Was it, there a lot of conflict? What did that look like? Um, I love this question. It's really good to consider um, the. Buddhists, um, what I could gather was 
like doing good will bring good to you. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the Cambodians just love to live their life in a happy, accepting, doing good type of way. And so um, there wasn't a whole lot of rejection, I'd say, because they want to be good and they want to be nice to you and welcome anyone into their home and give them a meal. Um, but the like interconnection between Buddhism and um, Christianity. There were a bunch of different Christian religions with different missionaries as well, preaching and coming to houses. And um, the Buddhists have monks dressed in their um, orange robes and they would also kind of come to houses and they would like give a blessing to the house and then they would worship the monk back and give a blessing to them. So... Um, they'd see Christianity and see like Christian missionaries and they were super excited to have us come because they're like, oh, I guess the the God of Jesus Christ or whatever is going to come and bless my house too. And so (laughs) they would, they would like to accept you. And then as you left, they would almost treat you as a monk and like say a little like prayer blessing back towards you. Um, after you said like a closing prayer or something and you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but like, as you started to teach them and stuff, and they like learned more about that, if they were um, progressing to become like a member of our church specifically, they they would learn the differences between that generally. Um, but yeah, I'd say there's like an interesting tradition how they treat people there. That's so cool. I I'm so glad um, that you were able to experience that. I feel like. Some places you might go, you're not going to see that. You know, I I also served a mission, <clears throat> but I went to Spain and there was awesome. nothing. It was a, a much more hostile um, <laughs> environment, oh, I no. would say. But I think that's so beautiful that they recognized that doing good brings good to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's what the missionaries were trying to do. That's what you were trying to do in that country. I'm sure there were probably some differences, though, like some hurdles you had to get over. How did you navigate those cultural differences and, and you know, still respect the local customs and traditions? It sounds like religion's a huge part. Buddhism is a huge part of their culture. Mm-hmm. How did you navigate that while sharing your religious beliefs at the same time? Yeah, that's definitely a tricky thing to think about. And it's different for each of the people that... Um, you're kind of talking to and working working with and helping them. Um, I think the main part that we would get to would be teaching more along the plan of salvation and how we can um, return to live with our Heavenly Father after this life. They believe in reincarnation, and so we'd have to um, kind of explain, like, you're going to be your spirit that you are right now um, in a spirit world after you die and be able to return to your heavenly father. But they just assumed that they would just be like instantly reborn as something else. Um, And so I think once they like, we were able to kind of navigate that, it, it lifted them up higher and they were able to see a difference in their lives because when they believe in, this reincarnation they think like I'm poor because in my last life I didn't do good things um and that's just like kind of where they're at but 
like navigating through that we're able to help them understand like actually you have choices in this life where you can um kind of like choose who you're going to be and it's not based on some sort of um whether you did good or bad in a past life yeah i know you're you're talking about karma right that's Mm -hmm. the it's a huge belief in a lot of religions in that part of the world um just this idea that you get what's coming to you, right? Mm-hmm. If you do something bad, something bad happens um, and vice versa. So I'm sure that was interesting to navigate uh, tactfully, right? It's probably a, it's a hard balance. And it's something that we're interested in just because of our research, looking at how we can respect the culture that exists while striving to change behaviors. Mm-hmm. We're really interested in striking a balance, right? And, mm-hmm. and not coming across as um, you know, these Westerners that think they know everything <laughs> because yeah. we don't, right? We, yeah. we don't. And I think there's a lot we can learn from Cambodians and, and from their culture. Yeah. I do want to ask, what, was there anything that surprised you um, just about the culture in general of Cambodia? Any nuances that you found particularly important to understand during your mission? Something that Maybe you didn't get it first, but mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, because maybe I don't know. I haven't been there yet, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious to know what what should I uh, what will what will I be surprised by? Um, I was surprised to see their way of life um, intermixed with their culture and traditions, but also like um, because of the mass genocide that occurred, a lot of their life and a lot of their habits are just survival. Um, and so um, learning about that was just interesting to see, like, the specific foods they would sell along the side of the road or how much money they were saving up for different things or different housing styles that they lived in and family sizes all depended on their survival. Um, I feel like in America we have a lot of blessings and we've been able to... Um, more live and enjoy and find like different activities that we can um like be able to do but they just don't have a lot of opportunities because they're constantly trying to um survive and in that mode of survival of i have enough food for my family today and tomorrow i will go get more and so they go to this like market every single day um to uh, get their food and stuff interesting so it's almost a a daily um, quest for survival yeah. is what it's sounding like. Mm-hmm. That would be definitely different um, to experience. Were there any other, I guess, things that surprised you on your on your religious mission? Um, it surprised me that uh, they were so happy um, and welcoming because... Um, I think we attribute a lot of times like happiness is having a lot of things, um, living somewhere that's like a big house or having a hot tub or something. But <laughs> they they're just so happy in what they have of like their family wise, like they have their family with them. They have this little house. They got enough food um, and they're just so happy and I just loved to see their smiling faces all the time and they're very welcoming and accepting 
of a lot of people. Even though you're different, they're still going to accept you and kind of smile and be like, we don't understand you, but you are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I read a book. Um, <clears throat> I've read a couple of books, actually, about Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which one, but one of them refers to Phnom Penh actually as the city of smiles. Yeah. And I think that's um, it's really beautiful and something I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to circle back to something you mentioned, which is the mass genocide mm-hmm. that happened with the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Um, and it's okay if you don't know. <laughs> Uh, maybe you don't have an answer to this, but I just I'm just curious if you saw how Cambodia's history, including that Khmer Rouge era, influenced the religious landscape and maybe people's attitudes towards religion. Because a common dialogue that we hear in the United States, at least, is um, you know if God exists or if religion is is real, if we're going to assume that that's real then why bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the Khmer Rouge is just um, the spearhead of that that dialogue, right? It, it was a terrible thing that happened to millions of good people. Mm-hmm. So did, that ha- did you see any backlash or any after effects of the Khmer Rouge era influencing people's approach to religion, to God um, in Cambodia? Um, I guess kind of what I've seen is probably like a lack of being maybe a super stalwart member of like the Buddhism religion, being a Buddhist. Um, it's mostly just like respecting those who died type of thing. And so like, I think mostly of what the general population understands about the Buddhist religion could be. Um, I miss my family members that um, died in this horrible genocide. And through this um, religion, I can still like kind of worship them or have a connection with them. Um, I would say with like Christianity once they learn about Jesus Christ and, like, the atonement of Jesus Christ, uh, it really, like, opens them up and they begin to understand different things about the genocide and about, like, who they are more than just, like, um, life is hard and, like, everyone I knew was gone type of thing. They, they realize more, I would say. That's beautiful. So almost that it sounds like religion in many ways has contributed to um, healing and some form of reconciliation in the aftermath of, of that mass genocide. It's almost, instead of pushing it away, they're maybe, would you say that they're more inclined to be religious because of that? Or I'm not sure uh, what it was like before the genocide exactly, but um, I don't necessarily think they pushed it away because the influence is there and almost every family has some sort of religion in their life. So I would say that it's something they probably turned to a little bit more. Wow. Well, that's really impressive to me personally, just um, the fact that they have so much faith in in whatever or whoever they believe in, that they can retain that faith um, after going through so much. 
I think we stand to learn a lot from their example. Um, I hope we can maybe turn Pro into a city of smiles someday. <laughs> that would <laughs> yes. be great. Um, this has been so great, Ellen. I have one last question before we go, mm-hmm. which is you spent a year and a half, it sounds like, so 18 months in Cambodia. That's a lot of time. What were some of the most, if you could just give us one or two um, of the most important lessons or insights that you gained about religion or about family or even life in general from that religious mission, what what would you tell our listeners? What what are the biggest takeaways, the mm-hmm. biggest lessons? Um, I love Cambodia. I love the people there. That It was so different to me, but being able to learn and expand my knowledge from just like small southern Utah to the opposite side of the world was that God loves all of his children and he cares about all of his children and he um, wants to see their growth and progress. And so that was a beautiful thing I was able to recognize. And then um, just understanding my testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and why I believe and why it's important for me personally to um, recognize my Savior was definitely, um, did definitely increase because of the different lives that I saw of the people living in Cambodia. Um, And just like way of life and being positive with what I do have and um, looking for like the blessings and being grateful for everything around me is kind of like a major thing that influences my life still um, and that I learned from Cambodia because of the way that the people live their lives over there and what they had and how they reacted to things. I love that. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing those lessons with us. Um, I think we all stand to learn something when we travel, when we leave what we have always known mm-hmm. and go into the unknown. I think there's so much you can learn from living with people unlike you. And um, it's fantastic that you spent your time, Ellen, in Cambodia serving and learning to love those people. For our listeners out there, whether or not you're going abroad or, or leaving the place that you've always known, um, whether or not you're religious or have any beliefs whatsoever, um, our message today is is simple, and it's that you have the power to make a difference. You don't have to go somewhere for a year and a half um, or even for a day. But remember that um, a city of a thousand smiles starts with one smile, and that smile could be you. So remember that you have power to make a difference, that you can influence the people in your life, and most importantly, Remember to lift where you stand.